This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up-and-coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences, and we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So, let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. This is your host, Philip Mianko, and today I have the pleasure of having a very, very special guest, Jess Smith. Now, Jess has a lot of insights and takeaways, which she'll be sharing with you today, but more so, she is a year and a half into her business at the time of this recording, and she has some powerful insights and takeaways of really what it takes to go from a recruiting type of role in a tech firm and making change and making actions, which I would say is one of her top strengths and she is really good at. Is You can tell that too from how she works with her clients and how she talks about it, but also how she's made that leap from that type of full-time role into full-time coaching and owning her own coaching business. So buckle up and get ready to hear Jess as she just really breaks down um, the, fir- the first steps of becoming a coach, but takeaways from her time and owning her own coaching business. I, <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation with her. And like in many of these journeys, I, it's, it's often when I'm finding new best friends. So I think, I think she might make the list on here. So enjoy the chat with the wonderful Jess Smith. So I am a career coach and a job search cheerleader. So I like to call myself. And so I help job seekers to identify their callings and then I help them to land careers that they love by connecting with their inner power. And so I have been doing this career coaching work for about a year and a half now. Mm. I love it. It's my dream job. I have so much fun doing it. And previous to that, I come from the recruiting world. So I spent four years working on recruiting teams at a Fortune 500 company here in San Francisco where I'm located. That's awesome. I saw a lot of that recruiting experience. I know we talked to so many people who, not I mean, so many people, we talked to a lot of people who have that background. And it's so interesting because you have a different insight of it. And I love that you use the word cheerleader because that's the exact same word that I use just for all of our listeners here before we hit the record button. And we came up a list of like five similarities. And then I think all of our listeners know one of my top strengths from the strength finders test is number one is relator. So it just, nice. everything lines up. But when you were a recruiter and you're thinking about make, making the transition, why did you want to become a career coach in the first place? Yeah. So when I first got into recruiting, I was coming out of a position that was totally not the right fit for me in any capacity. And so moving into the recruiting world was so amazing because I got there and was like, oh my God, I'm good at my job. I'm good at this finally. (laughs) I get to use my natural skills. So some of those are that I'm an excellent listener. I love connecting with people, especially one-on-one. I'm always excited to meet new people. And so I got to use a lot of that in recruiting. So It was really, really fun to get into that space. So I got into recruiting and absolutely loved it. And then 
mastered it almost or felt like I was mastering it after yeah. three years. Felt like I was mastering what I was doing and it almost got a little too transactional for me. Mm. It started getting to the point where it was, how many more candidates can you talk to? How many more people can you get hired? And so and the company I was working for was hiring like crazy, like 7,000 people in a year. So it was Dang. like more, 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 yeah. massive growth mode. And I love talking to all the different candidates, but then I didn't, you know, they got put into the interview process and there was no long-term relationship with them. Mm. And so I knew personally, I really wanted to expand on my one-on-one relationships and how can I build these and make them deeper and longer, longer Mm. term. And so I really started about my third year in the recruiting world. I started looking around and saying, okay, like what could my next step be? What does that look like? So I really thought at one point that I was going to be on a talent development team. I spent a lot of time talking to people in those roles, actually interviewed for a couple of roles on the teams, which was really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that it was a lot of things at scale, especially, you know, with the high growth company, it's like, how can we take care of people, 30,000 of them at a time, right? And I'm like, no, what I care about is connecting with people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm having all these conversations, I ended up speaking with a director in talent development and kind of telling her, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Where can I find that here? Because I love the company. I didn't want to leave the company. Mm. And she said to me, Jess, what you want to do is not here. You either need to leave and go into consulting or you need to go start your own business to do the work in the capacity that you want to do it, which was incredible. And so that was the first moment where I was like, oh, I'm looking in the wrong place. And I had never thought that I would be an entrepreneur. That was such a surprise to me. (laughs) And so that was really the first moment that 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 idea was sparked in my mind and then went on to do a bunch of research and have conversations with a bunch of different coaches and get to know what their lives were like, their challenges, triumphs, all of that good stuff. And I felt really aligned with everything that I heard from all of these coaches. And that was how I first like started getting interested in coaching and deciding that it was the right path for me. That first of all, shout out to that director, because I feel like out of the pivotal points of like that could happen in people's lives, like that was like the thing that changed that, that direction. So shout out to him or her, whatever they're at. But you know, something that I think is that it, what it sounds like you do very well, or at least what I want to emulate more, what I want all of our listeners to emulate more is Every single opportunity, you were out talking to certain people and making those conversations. And I think that's so impactful just from, you know, making sure, like you mentioned in your case, if it really aligns, if, if the people who are doing it really are living the life that you foresee yourself wanting to live a year, two years, five years from now. But, and also like, in my mind, it brings like the human aspect back to it. Like, all right. I see people doing it. I'm not reading in books, but I'm actually talking to somebody living and breathing in the talent development space or as a coach or whatever that might be. And I imagine for you that that helped really that, that leap from full-time role to entrepreneur. So I guess my question, and this is a question I always love to ask because I think it, it kind of takes us back to it, but how did you know it was time to make the leap? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So I feel like my circumstances were pretty unique. So Mm -hmm. I started building my company while I was still working in the corporate world. And the first thing that I was focused on was building an audience because I was like, Hey, where am I going to find these job seekers that I'm going to support and change their lives? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a good, probably eight months working on that. 
And then so when it was finally to the point that I was going to take on true paid clients, Mm -hmm. I had had some conversations with our legal team internally at my corporate office. And because Mm -hmm. recruiting is so similar to career coaching, you know, talking to people, giving them advice, getting them jobs. And I was working at a highly desirable company Mm -hmm. that the legal team was not going to approve it for me to get paid on the side, you know, to help people find jobs and get paid by them to help people find jobs. So basically it was not going to be approved as an outside business activity. And so that really pushed me over the edge into deciding, okay, time to take the leap, time to get out of the corporate world and make the jump into doing my coaching. And it was, in hindsight, I probably could have stayed in the corporate world a little bit longer, but (laughs) at the same time, it was like, I needed that push anyway. And so the decision was kind of made for me, which was actually really nice. I always find that it's usually like two cases. Either we make the decision for us or the decision is, is made for us. And like, I, I always joke about, I remember my first apartment I was living in at the time and it was like, all right. And they were going to sell it for condos and it was a tiny apartment and I really didn't want to move. I was telling just before we hit the record button, I'm in the process of moving right now. It's not always my favorite thing, but I remember at the time doing that, that I had the option of, hey, you could buy your tiny apartment and and own it, or you could move. And I was like, I guess the decision is made for me. (laughs) It's like, all right, put up or shut up. We need to move and get out of here. But I think something, you know, I think in every case is when when I talk to people, especially now and when they're building their coaching businesses, I think most people, most people know we don't stop everything and then start building a coaching business. Mm-hmm. Most people know it's kind of that, that transition, like you're talking about while you're doing a full-time, full-time role and then doing it on the side. So one question I get asked all the time is during that time or even, even now, what tools did you use to get started? Yeah. So we're talking like tech, right? Yeah. Like tech or, you know, if, if you got some practical tools too, like but <laughs> anything in between, I'm more curious about is like, what have you found really at those tools that were the most helpful to you in getting started? Yeah. The very first thing that I did, because I knew once I had kind of figured out in my mind, I was like, okay, I want to be a coach. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because I had like been talking to these coaches, right? So I'd already been exposed to the coaching world and was like, wow, there's obviously a huge benefit here. And I knew from my background in recruiting, I was like, I know how to find people jobs. I know how to do resumes. I know how to help with interviews. This was my second round of navigating myself into work that mm-hmm. I love through the process of having conversations. So that's what I help people with today too. The part that I was like, okay, I, the part that I don't know is I really don't know how to start a business. Like literal ground zero <laughs> for knowledge of being an entrepreneur. So I hired a business coach and it was the best, best, best investment that I could have made. I feel like when you hire a coach, you're paying for speed in a way because I'm an intelligent person. I probably could have figured it out, but how long would it have taken me? Like, I can't even fathom how long it would have taken me to really put things in place, to really be able to build an audience. And a lot of the things that I learned from her were totally backwards from what I would have expected to do or would have done on my own. Um, So that was the best, best, best tool for me was hiring a coach at the beginning. That's why I tell people all the time. It's like this learning curve and it just depends on how steep you want to make the learning curve and we can get help or assistance along the way. And I think that goes for really any change or anything from 
where we are to where we're going, but especially in in a sense, because there's so many things to learn, but there's so many micro decisions that can trip you up that in the short term, they feel like they are the most important. Like, what am I going to use Squarespace or am I going to use Wix? Do I use Acuity? Do I use Calendly? Like, which do I use? And you're just like, doesn't matter. (laughs) I remember remember meltdown over like what microphone I was going to use to record (laughs) stuff. And now I'm like, Really like that, so exactly. It was so big at the beginning, right? And the coach comes in and goes, "Okay, we don't need to worry about those as much." And my microphone is brought to you by the Amazon Choice selection in Amazon. So you just like I I let Amazon pick that one for me. But (laughs) I think just out of curiosity, are you still working with your business coach, or how? What was that period of of working with your business coach? If you're not working with them, yeah, I'm still working with my business coach which is amazing. So her program, the first program that I did was 12 months and now I'm on her like level two for another 12 months. That's awesome. What are the biggest insights or the things you haven't expected to know or learn from this, from that process of working with a business coach? So this is probably specific to business can be taught in so many different ways. There's so many different ways that you can go about being an entrepreneur and building your business. Mm -hmm. But the ways that I learned from my coach, website isn't important. And I was fascinated by that. And she runs a multi-million dollar company, right? And obviously has a website and all that now. But in her saying like, I didn't have a website for three years. I was like, what? Oh my God, that's crazy. So that was one of those things where it it was so backwards for me because everyone thinks, oh, website first. Mm-hmm. But in her teachings, it was like, no, we're not going to worry about that. People get so hung up on that. We need to worry about like finding people to work with. Like that's what we need to be focused on right now. And so that was um, one like really surprising insight that I had from her. Oh my God. You're singing my song, Jess. It's <laughs> so many people come on here or, or I talk to and not come on here on the podcast, but so many people that I, I speak to, they're, they're wanting their website. It's the most important thing. I fell in the same trap. I've spoken a lot about here. And what really is actually the most important is going and getting in front of clients and, and helping them. And website is like number five or number six on that list. So I guess kind of on that note, when you were becoming a coach or you know, in those early stages, what do you find were the biggest challenges that, that you faced? Yeah, I would say one of my biggest challenges up front was enrolling clients to work with me. Hmm. I naively thought that since I was working in recruiting and I was talking to people every day and I love talking to people and I was selling them on, you know, the company that I was working for, that it was going to be really easy for me to then enroll people to come work with me as a coach. And that was pretty far from the truth. <laughs> it's really, it's a big shift when you're selling yourself as the product. When you are selling your knowledge, your expertise, your love, your dedication, it's a really interesting thing to sell. And I think that a lot of, there's a lot of mindset aspects that come into it and getting Mm. over like mental and emotional barriers, right? It was my own confidence. And this is something that I still get to work on, right? I'm only a year and a half into this. And so I had to have 25 conversations before I had my first like big real client type of thing. And then I think before my next one, it was like 20 more conversations. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm being totally honest. But so that was disconcerting at the time too, because I came into it being like, oh, this is, I'm going to be so great at this. And then I was like, oh my God, this is a lot harder 
than I had anticipated it to be. I think that pause and like stop, because I think that is so important that having the 20 to 25 conversations and then, and then person, because I think what most people think coming into this, like exactly like you mentioned, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to put up my website or tell people, announce at some place that I'm coaching. I'm going to have to have conversations. They're going to be like, wow, you're great. Then they're going to give me money. And when it really comes down to it, it's exactly what I find, or at least what I found for myself is that whole selling process is, can be really difficult. And it's really difficult from the aspect of, you mentioned the, the mindset and the confidence standpoint. Mm-hmm. I know for, for myself, where I found myself struggling the most was the definitely not enough the why would they pay for me anyways? Wait, there's so many more other qualified people that have way prettier Instagram pages that they could just go to and they'll get a better process Yeah, and all those kinds of things. And I find that's the same when the people that I speak to, usually it's they go, hey, Philip, it's marketing. How am I go out there and market myself to people that I, that I don't know and, and all those kinds of things. And I think the way you did it is exactly how it actually looks, is having those conversations, but having a lot of them that, that maybe don't lead to paying clients, but the road is to leading paying clients. Right. And I was super lucky, actually, because my coach mentally prepped me for that um, because she, was, she told me, Jess, I had to have 50 conversations before I had my first client. Nice. Amazing feedback because then I was mentally like, okay, I've got to be in this for the long haul, right? And I think that what I've seen in other people as they build their business, they talk to 10 people and they're Mm -hmm. like, well, nothing's happening. This isn't working. I need to shift what I'm offering. It's like, no, you're just not good at selling yet. You're just not good at enrolling is what I like to call it versus Mm -hmm. selling. But yeah. Yeah. And we say, um, we say enrolling. And the other thing that we say too earning the opportunity to work with people because it's a whole process, even from our personal standpoint, but when you're even talking to somebody, because in many ways, this is the first time they are speaking to somebody about this change, maybe, or this is the first time they're actually asking for help. And for a lot of people, asking for help is a really big deal. And you wouldn't think it is as much, but it can be a, it can be a really big deal for people. And I having the the number of conversations like, like you did really allows you to understand more about the people that are coming to you, but more so like just, just where they're at, the words that they use and really how our role is in helping them get there. So I'm curious too, because you mentioned, you know, one of the, your coach mentioned having 50 conversations, but I'm curious for you, for any new coaches, what's something that you would recommend somebody coming in to become a coach or thinking about becoming a coach? If you had to give like one recommendation, what would that be? You can maybe give five. I'm just saying one. Yeah. yeah. I would say get clear on what you want to offer. Like I knew, and I'm not saying like the nitty gritty, but it was like, I knew I was going to help people with their careers. Right. Mm -hmm. So like that was the thing and then stick with it Mm. because Again, it's like, I knew I could help people with their careers, but like the entrepreneur thing is so new for me that it doesn't matter how qualified I am to help people with their careers because there's so many other barriers to overcome. And the coach that I'm working with, there's a massive community that I get to be a part of too, which is cool. So I see a lot of coaches and they're, I'm like the only career coach. People are doing like fitness, mindset, creativity, all these cool things. And as we've all progressed together, it's been interesting to see how some people 
again, what I was just talking about, it's like they do some of it and then they're like, oh, it's not working. I need to like totally change. And it's like, you can't get traction at all. You can't get good at it if you keep changing. I would say just get clear on what you want, stick with it, give it a chance. I mean, I'm still figuring out my business and I've had it for a year and a half. Like this is still very early. And I, mm-hmm. I know that as I continue to level up, I'm always going to be figuring out how to make my business work, right? There's always, I'm also an ambitious person. So I know there's always going to be like a next cut that I'm trying to get to, whether that's, you know, making an Instagram that's like last on my list. Cause that's not, that sounds so overwhelming and difficult, but I'm like, at some point, you know, yeah. I'm going to be expanding in all these different areas and just realizing it's going to take time before things start working. So if it's not immediately working, go get advice from someone, mm-hmm. go talk to someone who's done it before you, be open to honest feedback, and then implement the feedback. That's the other thing. Take the coaching. Take the coaching, whether you think it's right or wrong, just try it. I think that that last one is very, very impactful because the whole reason we created this, this podcast, but when the, Scott brought me onto the team when I was about a year and a half into my business too, and very much this podcast came out of a desire to help people really do exactly what you mentioned. Like, hey, here's people who have, have done it or doing it before. What are the things that you can know? And what are the pieces of feedback that you don't want to hear, but you know you really need, which is go out and have as many conversations as you can. Websites are important. And there's, I'm harking on that one, but there's, there's also a ton of ones here too. But I think that's one of my it's fastly become one of my favorite questions to ask. And being a year and a half into your business, for you, what's the biggest challenges you've had in creating your own coaching business? Or another way to ask that, and this is my favorite part, is what are the things you've had to sacrifice because you have created your own coaching business and started your own coaching business? Yeah. Some of the things that I've had to sacrifice are spending time doing I don't want to say, I don't want to say spending time doing things that I love was sacrifice, but kind of in a way, Mm -hmm. like I wasn't out with my friends as much, especially during the time when it was like corporate world and entrepreneur world together, because I would do my corporate job for 40 to 50 hours a week. Right. And then it was like evenings I was working on my business stuff. I would spend all day Saturday, all day Sunday in coffee shops in the city building my business. And it meant so much to me and I loved it. But that meant less time with my friends, less time out in the city going and doing like classically fun stuff, right? And so my dedication and rigor around my business has been awesome on one hand, but also like I have seen how that affects my relationships with other people. And so it's a something that I get to carefully balance mm-hmm. going forward. I think it's very interesting. And thank you for sharing that because I always like to ask that. Because it really opens up that being an entrepreneur is hard. Being a coach is hard. Mm-hmm. And both me and you probably, we, we talked to tons of people who are on this journey or want to do this journey and maybe want to do it for good reasons or not great reasons, whatever that might be. But I think it's always nice and very insightful to hear from people who are doing it now, like yourself, of, all right, here's the things that, again, we're we might practically be almost the same person, except now I'm moving to California. So then we might, now we might be the same person. Anyways, yes. like I, same thing where I was working at, at a tech company. I was building my courses, going to the coffee shop that was in my, like 
near my apartment building, working in the evenings, working on building my course on the weekends. And I had to sacrifice a lot of like that time where I would have wouldn't gone stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, do I, it's led me to a lot of the life and the work that I get to do now and connecting and connecting with you, Jess. But more of it is, is I think something that you mentioned in there too. And I think it goes back to even something that you said before about as we're building these processes is that it's hard work, but I was ultimately happy doing it. It's allowed for those kinds of things. And it sounds like it's been the same for you. Yeah, it has. That's why I say it's a careful balance between like always doing my business stuff and then like spending time with people that I love and doing other things that I love, like reading, right? Because Mm -hmm. I do love working on my business and it's fun and it's exciting. And so if I'm like really in that creative space, like making stuff, I can easily let that get out of control. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, keeping an eye on it and like making sure, okay, am I like taking breaks, right? Am I like reading and doing other things that I enjoy doing and not just my business? So what do you do? Uh, Because that's something that I personally struggle with. And one of my other strengths is I'm achiever. So I love to just check off boxes. And sometimes I will create boxes so I can check them off. And so (laughs) exactly right. And And it's really hard, especially working from home and especially building a business and, and we get in the coaching business to help people. So it's like all those three things combined where I find it very difficult. You know, now we're talking about the other side to turn it off. So I guess, what do you do? And kind of like you mentioned that balance part, but like turning it off. Yeah. I'm still working on it. <laughs> For a while, um, it was implementing working hours, which was actually a recommendation from my therapist. I saw that in one of your YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Because I just let it get out of control. And so it was like, I needed, she was like, Jess, you get to create boundaries around work. Great. So it was like, these are going to be, you know, I'm going to work from 10 to 12 and then I'm going to take an hour break. Right. And like have lunch and like disconnect during lunch. Maybe, you know, like maybe I'll read my book during lunch instead of also being on my laptop, like doing stuff. I've actually tried really hard to figure out what are my optimal working hours. Mm. And the luxury of being an entrepreneur is that you can flex it into whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And so I found for me, one of the boundaries that was really helpful was a starting time. And so I've talked about 10 a.m. I did 10 a.m. for a while. Now I'm on 9 a.m., but not working until then because there's that desire to like, pick it up the minute I wake up, what's happening in my email, what's happening on my LinkedIn. And so, and I still break that rule sometimes. So that's what I'm really trying to implement is like, let's wake up in the morning, listen to something inspirational, have Mm -hmm. breakfast, get ready, not immediately jump into work. And then I also find that I have a productivity streak randomly at like nine and 10 PM. Really? Yeah. It's really random. I'm not good at like two to three, mm, two o'clock still. Okay. But like between three and five, it's a struggle okay. for me to do things unless I'm having a conversation. Mm. So if I'm yep. having a conversation, then I'm engaged. But if I'm just trying to like write something or build something, it's like nothing is actually happening. So mm. <laughs> I'm trying to rearrange my working life to actually be aligned with my most productive hours. And then in the off hours, I'm living my freedom life. So I have my work life and my freedom life. And I'm trying to make a distinction there between which life I am in. I love the name of those distinctions from working life to, I love, I just love the concept of freedom life. I might, I might steal that and take that. Yeah. 
I stole uh, it from another coaching friend. She had her work life and her mermaid life because she's always like on the beach. So I was like, yes, I'm not a mermaid, but yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, mermaid life. That's hilarious. I think one of the things too that I always talk to new coaches about is that I think so many people come from the nine, nine to five and I tend to treat my work days like nine to five sometimes. Like I mentioned, it depends if five goes beyond that or, or I start before that, whatever that might be. But I think really um, it's an opportunity to, when you're in the business building mode, especially like when do you feel like you have or going to be in the best to have conversations? Like you can pick the times where you would like to have those coaching conversations and set boundaries around those. And yeah. then you can have your business building time or your creativity time. I know in my early days, I often had like, I know, and I don't know if you do this, but one of the recommendations my business coach gave to me, because I always struggled and I still struggle with creating content. I'm really good at like watching YouTube videos. I'm really good at reading. I'm really good at consuming, but I'm not the best at creating because creating is of course way harder. So I would have days and times where I would just show up and I would create. And then I would try to find the easiest ways for me to do that. And I always found that writing was really hard. So I would record like this, or I would like get the stuff to dictate and, and do that. But it was always based on, based on the time that, that was, you know, the, the, the easiest to keep that working life as best I could to, so then I could go and enjoy my, my freedom life in other times. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really relate to that. I found that it's, the time blocking is nice, even from a day standpoint. So what I'm trying mm -hmm. to do now, and it sounds like this is similar to what you did was um, like, if it's a content day, you're working on the content or it's like, if it's a call day, I'm doing calls. Mm -hmm. and if it's a creating day, I'm creating because it's very, the creation process, especially if you want to create something quality or like thoughtful and intentional, it can like take a bit of time. And so it's hard yeah. to be spend an hour trying to create something and then you're like pulled into a call for an hour and then you try to come back and it's like that 20 minute adjusting yep. period to get back into it that you're like, well, I actually didn't really achieve anything today. And the funny part too is when I would get on those calls, sometimes I'd like, I'd find myself being kind of mad at the person. I'd be like, you are the person I was in this creativity streak and now I have to talk to you. And I'm like, Philip, you can't be mad at them. They scheduled the call, but, and then, and then it would take me 20, 30 minutes to get back into it. Then I would just be like, oh, all right, I need to schedule this better. Right. So from kind of, you mentioned the time blocking and I'm curious for you and, you know, for some of our listeners, just to, just to hear it when you like take your week and like time block in like hours, how much time on a week, let's just say a week basis, would it look like for marketing versus coaching versus I guess any other activities? What, what's that kind of week, week breakdown look like? Mm -hmm. So what I'm implementing right now that seems to be working is doing a week of client calls and a mm -hmm. week of no client calls, mm -hmm. a week of client calls and a week of no client calls. I really like that because then just what we were talking about, I'm like in the client mode, right? And then the next week I have so much space to create that it's like, I can really be deeply in that space of creation. So for me, it's like saying no to meetings during that off week and mm -hmm. also just organizing my schedule to be the way that I want it to. But that seems to work really well is to put all of my clients in one week and then creation in the other. And I do a lot of my creation based on inspiration. Mm. I'm actually curious to ask you a, a yeah. question about this as you were talking about content creation. Yeah. 
thought it was so hard at the beginning. It would take me hours and hours to write an email to my email community. And I talked about that with my coaching community. And honestly, it was a mindset shift for me. It was like, once I decided that content was going to be easy, it was. And that probably sounds so like <laughs> yeah. to a lot of people. Like, okay, Jess, we'll it. decide all these things are going to be easy. Then we're going to like, <laughs> yeah. Right. But it was like, I needed a mindset shift about it because I was so in the story of like, uh, this is hard. It's not right. Like it needs to be perfect. I was in perfectionist mode, right? Trying to make it so perfect. And so once I let go of some of that control and allowed yeah. myself to just be inspired by mm. my daily life. And I was like, you know what? Content is easy. Content is easy. That was my mantra. This is easy. Mm. I suddenly had a crazy abundance of content just like flowing out of me at all times. Mm. And it was like, what am I inspired by today is a question that I like to ask myself when creating content because I find that it's hard to force myself into a particular topic. Like if I'm not inspired by interviews today, really hard to write about interviewing. But if I'm feeling inspired by like, man, I was in a crappy mood this morning and I totally turned it around and I'm feeling inspired by that concept, I'll just relate it back to my job seekers. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of things in life relate back to what they're experiencing in their job search. So we're all humans, right? Having similar experiences. So I will just let my inspiration run with that. Mm -hmm. But now I have found, so it was like content so hard. Now I'm like content so easy. And now I think I get to come back to the middle. And instead of, I don't want to say that I was necessarily word vomiting content everywhere. Like I still think that I was offering really good advice, mm -hmm. but it was kind of just like here and there and everywhere. Mm -hmm. So now I want to come back to being a little bit more intentional about it and kind of landing in the middle of letting it be easy, not being a perfectionist about it, but intentionally thinking about like the pattern of my content. Like how is this content going to relate over a period of time instead of today I'm inspired by this, today that, today whatever. Yeah. Same thing for me. My coach was always challenging me of how can I make this easy, but I always like to, and this is where I internally on the happen to your career team, this is where I challenge Scott a lot. Scott, one of his strengths is he's a maximizer. So he's always trying to find the most efficient things. And sometimes efficient and fun aren't always, don't go together. Yeah. So I always have to remind Scott, I'm like, Scott, how can we make this fun? What would fun look like? Because if it's not fun for me, I just kind of like, I turn off and then I kind of like, like oh, I'm kind of bored. What can I do instead? Yeah. So I've got to make it fun in some way. And like super real talk, like I always get nervous to come on and record these podcasts. The same perfectionist comes up. I'm like, oh my God. Was just gonna think of me. All right, am I, does my hair look okay? Is the lighting okay? Wait, does my microphone sound good? Wait, okay, make sure my voice is deep enough so I sound like a guy. All those <laughs> kinds of things. And I, at the end of the day, I just go, all right, you know what? This is fun. I'm literally getting to connect with another human being or even the content creation. I'm creating content that I would have wanted at the time or I'm gonna make this fun somehow. And if I'm having fun, hopefully the viewer or the reader or the listener or the people who would want to work with me regardless, are having fun at that same time too. And then I would also like, you know, build in those tactical pieces too. So I knew I had to go for a walk. I know I can get in my head a bunch and know that it's a really good idea in Philip's head. But once he talks about it outside and goes, hey, this is my new idea for this. And I would start talking about it, like, okay, wait, wait, that sounds so much better in my head than it does right now. So I had to build in those kinds of times too. And what I found over time that it really this whole process is that you aren't just doing coaching. 
of having your own business. You're doing the marketing, you're doing the selling, you're doing the content creation, you're doing the customer service, you're doing the app, you're doing so many things and wearing so many different hats. So, you know, being, you know, a year and a half into the business where you're at now, what are you doing now that you didn't think you'd be doing when you first started? Well, so something, I guess, it's kind of a flip of this, but I thought that I would be further along Mm. in a sense, Um, but I'm actually okay with that Mm. because I'm really learning a lot as I go. What am I doing? I've gotten a lot better at my enrollment calls, which is nice. That's great. Um, One of the things that actually, and this is a personal thing, so I'm not saying that sales scripts don't work, but they don't work well for me, I don't think. And so I had gotten you know, advice on how to lead an enrollment call from my coach. And I, again, was trying to be a perfectionist. And it was like, I was trying so hard to hit each of those things that was part of the structure that I completely lost my authenticity in calls. And mm-hmm. I think that's why that piece was so hard for me to get through was because I wasn't showing up authentically or in a space of love caring and wanting to serve this person, right? It was like, I was more concerned with getting through the structure. And so it was like, once I let that go and I almost just did it as an experiment, right? Where I was like, I'm just going to like not plan anything for this call and see what happens. (laughs) My call started going so much better because I was showing up as my authentic self. I was showing up, I'm a natural supporter. Mm -hmm. And so supporting people is what I do best. And so I got to let more of that come through. And I think people could feel more of that. Mm. And so I guess something that I'm doing that I wasn't expecting to do was like letting go of some structure in some areas. And for me, it's a lot about trusting myself to say the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I so related to what you were talking about before, like getting on here, because <laughs> you had sent me a list of questions and I almost found that made me more nervous. Yeah, I know, right? I was like, oh my God, which one is he going to ask me? And now you're asking me like totally different questions. And I'm like, oh, totally <laughs> I just threw that out. I'm like, I'm just going to ask questions I want to ask now. <laughs> which is great. And so, yeah, like trusting myself a lot more, letting my personality come through who I am as a person. I had some interesting, like, what do I do identity crises at the beginning of coaching? Because I really am passionate about how our minds work Mm. and like our self-talk and what our emotions do to us and like all of that kind of stuff. And so I had a moment where I was like, oh my God, am I supposed to be doing more mindset stuff or more career stuff? And all of the feedback that I got from my coach was like, you are doing mindset stuff in the career stuff. Um, And I didn't realize how deeply that went until I started working with more people, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, I'm doing more mindset coaching than career coaching sometimes, right? It's just helping people overcome those daily challenges that we have as humans. So one thing that I'm getting to do that I didn't expect was a lot of the fun, like mindset elements come into it um, more than I had anticipated. That's awesome. It's, First of all, that makes me really happy because I'm also a mindset type of person. Just out of curiosity, any interesting books that you're reading now or could recommend to our audience to read that? It sounds like you are really interested in that space. So I imagine you have some good books or recommendations. More so have people that I follow. I do a lot of like videos on YouTube. So my favorite people, I love emotional freedom technique, tapping. Mm. You heard of that? Nope. Okay. It's kind of unique. It is a concept based from Chinese acupuncture where you are physically tapping on energy meridians in your body and it reduces the levels of cortisol in your brain. So the stress 
hormone. Okay. And as you're tapping, you're talking through, you know, whatever problem you're having. And it always circles back to, I choose to love and accept myself anyway. And so I've found that it's really, really powerful. And my favorite people who do tapping are Brad Yates on YouTube. You can okay. Google Brad Yates, anxiety, frustration, imposter syndrome, like anything. He'll have a video for it, which I love. So use that. I follow Gala Darling. Okay. She also does tapping and manifestation. She's a lot of fun. Um, so she's awesome. And then my favorite money mindset person, because I've found a lot of that comes up in having a business too, is breaking through limiting money beliefs. Um, yeah. I love Genevieve Rackham. So I'm constantly like going on her Instagram and like, I'm like, what's she saying today that I can yeah. like be inspired by? So yeah. I think that last concept, that's especially the money mindsets is something that is very, very applicable when you are first, when you're first getting into it, but at every stage of the business and in so many pieces. So I guess to to wrap things up a little bit, one of, my, one of my last questions for you is looking at this overall picture, if you had three months to start your business and get into career coaching, instead of the months and the, you know, the years that we've been talking about, it would take, what would you do? Yeah. So I think first I'd hire a coach. <laughs> if that's on the table of options, I would figure out how I could build an audience as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Again, like we talked about not getting tripped up on like the online presence necessarily, like how can I find people that I can serve right now mm -hmm. and then start getting on the phone with people because that's like such a massive skill and even just like being comfortable getting on the phone with people, right? Mm -hmm. Let alone like enrolling them in your programs. It's good, really good practice up front to get on the phone with them. So I would focus on audience, doing calls, talking to people in your world that already love and support you and seeing mm -hmm. like, do they have anyone that they can recommend to work with you? Something that actually worked really well, my performance coach, so she does a lot of mindset work with me earlier on, we realized I had a confidence issue, right? And like, mm -hmm. oh, can I deliver these results or not? And so the solution was that I started working with people every single week. My commitment was I will work with someone every week, whether they pay me or not. And so I probably only did like three weeks of unpaid work right before it was like, oh, <laughs> I am good at this, right? Like, oh yeah, I was in recruiting. I know what I'm talking about. Because it's easy to forget when you feel like you're not making any progress that you start like beating yourself down in all areas where I was like, oh, well, do I even know how to help people? And it's like, yes, you've just forgotten. And so it was like in working with those people for free, it was a benefit to me because it raised my confidence got awesome testimonials from them. And then I could use that going forward to get more clients. So it was actually a pretty short period of time that I did that, but it did wonders for my coaching practice. That is such a good spot to end because I, people come to us as coaches really in times where they are needing the most help. And if we can get them one step forward to getting to the results and letting us allow them to share their story to other people, we call it path of possibilities that happen in your career, more so we can help people illuminate and go, oh, I can relate to Jess. She's been through those stories before, or I can relate to Philip. He's been through those stages before. It helps me feel that, okay, this isn't going to be as hard or difficult or at least know what's going to be coming up. So I very much appreciate your time in helping me tell your story, but tell all of our audience that. But I think it, one of the biggest pieces too is that I, I think so much of 
at least what I've gained from this insight or gained from this conversation from you is that just your ability to look at challenges or look at something that's coming up and then take it full on, accept advice, and really at least one of the biggest things that I'm picking up and I hope our audience picks up is come from a place of love, support, and we didn't use this word, but I feel like abundance. Yeah. And I very, very much appreciate that because I feel in a whole world that tells us we're not enough. We go into a whole new journey and becoming coaches where it, it just feels like that, where we're just like starting those places or there might be ups and downs that having those mindsets, having the support from coaches, having a community and having exactly all the teachings that, that you mentioned here, that what you've done and what you're doing now, I think is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, thanks for coming on. I very, very much appreciate it. But on that note, where can people find you and get connected with you? Yeah. So I'm super active on LinkedIn. Jess Smith Coaching is the name of my business. You can find me on LinkedIn there. It's actually my personal page. And then my website is jessmithcoaching.com. It's three S's. Got lots of S's going on. Jess Smith. <laughs> <laughs> three S's right in the middle right there. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today and very, very much appreciate your time. And thank you all for listening to the podcast and we'll see you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.